the flagship station for Baylor basketball is ESPN Central Texas. Oh, it is the flagship station. It's the Mosley Show. Cam Stewart is on hand. Boy, he's a big fan of uh, Pat Nunley, Aaron as well. Pat has flown all around the country. I mean, I hope that Charter, I hope he was there and he was treated nicely, but still, uh, four-hour flight, you get him from Morgantown, then you get in Provo, and then that's a long late-night flight after a game. Pat, how are you uh, functioning today? I really was going to try to give you today to relax and, and get your feedback under you, but it seemed like today was the day you could um, you could do it. How are you functioning? I, it's really going very well. I, I think I'm just, okay. Matt, so adrenalized about being home after five mm. days on the road that I, you know, I've, I've got plenty to do here and I've been busy all day. So, you know, slept a little longer than normal, but um, uh, no, it's been a, it's been a good day. And the good news about the big 12 is, you know, you get spanked on Tuesday and you've got just a few days to actually less than a day to let that linger. And then you got to get ready for Houston. Now the bad news is you're talking about the number two team in the country. <laughs> one of the best, if not the best defensive team in the country coming in on Saturday, but good news is, Baylor will be at home back in the Foster Pavilion, mm-hmm. and and that's that's going to really help a lot. You you know they're they're a good road team. Baylor has been this year for whatever reason, uh, and they've won some games on the road. They should have beaten K State. I mean that last night was weird for a lot of reasons. Usually when you outshoot somebody, um, you know you expect to do better than that. You know from a percentage standpoint, but the the three pointers. We're not fall, falling, and and Pat, I just could not understand why. I, I I know what the game plan had to be. You know it's BYU, and they shoot a ton of threes. And as you're calling that thing courtside, it, it had to be frustrating for for you to watch Baylor continue to go under those screens. And then, of course, the ball screen defense just was not working out front. And I don't know if they just thought, well, we're going to let that guy. I mean, I think they intended to cover him, but but he shot him out of the game in a lot of ways. I mean, that was when they had their big run. He was a big part of it. So I, I just don't know what to make of it because, like, I think they were good enough team to win on the road and yet mm-hmm. – did not seemingly execute the plan very well at all from a especially from a defensive standpoint yeah that that's all correct matt and um byu is probably 10 points better at home than they are on the road and and you can see why and that is a that is a great home court advantage for byu but uh and in that arena BYU is never uncomfortable and and you have to find a way to make them uncomfortable or they're just going to just going to put on a shooting expedition exhibition. And that's what they did. Baylor never made them uncomfortable. Even when Baylor started the game by making seven of its first eight shots, the discomfort was this isn't going to, this is not sustainable. I'm not going to do that the entire ball game. And to me, Matt, that, you know, the threes are one thing, but the head scratcher was that BYU out rebounded Baylor 39, 30. And, you know, that's not a dramatic difference, but of those 39 rebounds that BYU got, what was it, 17 of them were offensive rebounds. And, and Baylor was outscored second chance points, 20 BYU to four to Baylor. That just doesn't happen. I mean, Baylor over the last 10 years 
is one of the top 15 or 20 offensive rebounding teams in the country year after year. So that just doesn't happen. Baylor normally does that to other teams. Well, BYU did that to Baylor last night. And the result of that is, I mean, the threes were important, obviously, but BYU, because of those offensive rebounds, took 15 more shots than Baylor did. And you give BYU 15 more shots, 15 more looks at a three uh, in that arena, and you're just you're in trouble. And, and I think that was the difference. And what happened, too, that I thought uh, made all the difference in the game. So Baylor comes out, makes seven of eight, made their first three out of four, three, something like that. And then felt like, okay, we're just going to be able to shoot our way to a win tonight. And it turned into a three-point shooting. You know, those teams just trading three-pointers for a while. And in that stretch, after Baylor went up early, BYU went on a run and separated. And Baylor was settling for threes. They weren't touching the paint the way uh, – I mean, part of the game plan was you got to attack the rim and get into the paint. And, you know, so all of that put together – Baylor can win that game making five of 23s. They just can. They cannot win that game giving up a 20 to four second chance point advantage. That, that to me was the difference. And Pat, I, I want to be careful with how I phrase this question because by no means did the officials really, they didn't lose bait were the game and it didn't really have a huge effect on it. But one thing I want to go back to is in that first half, uh, a questionable second foul called on, on, a, on a loose ball on Jaden Nunn, and he has to sit yeah. a significant amount of that first half because of it. How much did that take Baylor out of their offense and therefore uh, affect the game? Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, Jaden Nunn coming into that game was the hottest player in the league. He was not only the newcomer of the week, he was the player of the week in the Big 12 last week. So losing him, uh, I think, was uh, a big blow. Because, again, I mean, if the better coaches said it once, they said it 100 times before that game, you got to attack the rim. And nobody attacks the rim as violently as Jaden Nunn. So losing him was a big blow. And, and I, I'm with you. I mean, we don't, we don't comment really on the calls. We try not to. Uh, the course of the game just doesn't really serve a purpose. But I, I didn't think that was the right call. I just didn't. But on the road particularly, you're not going to get calls. You're just, you're just not going to. So – you just have to play through that, and, um, uh, you know, they just really weren't able to. They never recovered from that, and losing Jaden. You know, when you go to BYU or anybody on the road, you've got to have both barrels loaded, and you got Jaden Nunn sitting on the bench for basically 13 minutes of the first half and then trying to stay out of foul trouble in the second. That, that was a big negative for sure. Yeah, Pat Nunley on the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. What about um, Ray J ends up with eight assists? And that, and as you're looking at the box score, I'm sure that caught your eye. And but even during the game, you're probably keeping up with the box score. But how glaring that even was to he had all of Baylor's assists. I mean, generally, yeah. Pat, you'll kind of stumble into something else, right? Even one of your big guys or something. I mean, somebody's going to make a decent pass. And that, that, I think that bothered Scott. Scott did not have a long post game, and no. and and I think he, he I think they averaged somewhere around twenty assists a game. They get eight, mm -hmm. and it comes from one player. What what is what is that when you see something like that? Is that a team that's simply the ball sticking, um, or is that just one of those weird anomaly type games that hopefully won't happen again? 
Yeah, you know, Matt, another good question. I, I think it was um, Baylor got a little three happy for a while, and mm-hmm. and they settled into thinking, okay, we're shooting the ball well tonight. We're just going to shoot our way to a win, and that's not going to happen up there. And that you just can't play that game against BYU in Provo. Uh, and and I, you know, they just didn't they didn't get the ball into the lane. Ray J. Dennis did a good job of that. That's why he had eight assists. Jade Nunn does that well. He's on the bench with fouls. But you, it, when you attack the rim, you force BYU to, to play defense. I mean, really play it. And, and by the way, BYU is better defensively than I thought they would be. Coming into the game, they'd given up 88 and 93 in their last mm-hmm. two games. But last night, um, they were awfully good. But I think part of it was we just got away from the game plan and got lulled into – a false sense of security about how we were shooting the ball early. I said on the broadcast, that was fool's gold. You can't think, even when you're shooting well, you can't think this is how we're going to win this game uh, on a road against a team that um, shoots more threes than any other team in the country. And you talk about assist. Uh, they are top three. I think BYU is in assist per game at 19. So again, you just, um, you, you've just got to – they just have to play better and adhere to the game plan. And I think at the end of the day, you've you got to compete on the glass because you just can't give BYU that many shots at the basket. And looking at how Baylor's played on the road this year, Matt touched on it. It hasn't been bad by any means. They've dropped a few games, but so is, so is everybody. He's dropped some winnable games. So is everybody in this conference. Right. I saw an interesting stat today, Pat, that uh, UConn has not won a – a top 25 matchup on the road in like 12 years or 10 years. And in that span, they've won two national championships. So clearly it's not the end all be all, but it certainly helps winning conference championships and bigger championships than that. If you can win on the road and, and that's just, we didn't see quite that medal last night uh, from, from the Baylor squad to, to win a big road game. And so my question to you is this, you played on some good teams. You've been around some really good, some great teams how imperative is it in today's college basketball that a team has someone, a player, in the huddle who will call out his teammates and make sure everyone kind of comes correct? Yeah, I think it's important. And, I, you know, everybody, when you say that, thinks of Davion Mitchell. I mean, mm-hmm. and it wasn't just Davion. It was Mark Vidal. It was those guys. You, you just need a dog defensively. You do. And, uh, you know, to the point you made earlier about winning on the road, I saw this stat, I think it's a week ago, so it may be a little dated, but it still makes a good point. Um, And there have been so many teams in and out of the top 10 in the country this year, I think like 47 different teams. But uh, there was a stat that said in that in teams that have been in the top 10 this year are 32 and 33 on the road. So it gives you an idea how hard it is to win, particularly in this day and age when everybody's good, transfer portal and all of that. So I, the, the goal is to win, to go 500 on the road and maybe steal one or two and get beyond 500. But the, the teams in this league, I mean, I'm thinking of Houston. I don't know what the numbers are, but they have a winning record on the road. Kansas can't win on the road. Baylor's now three and four, I think, on the road for the season or maybe in conference play. Can't remember, but it's not a winning record. Yeah. So if you want to get into the upper echelon, you got to go get your fair share, maybe even more than your fair share on the road. And, you know, a, a two-game road street, a, a road swing, you win one of those two, you, know, you might feel better about it, but it is that, that Baylor just did not play well. 
And despite all of that, with 10 minutes to play, the game is tied. And then there's an 8-0 run by BYU, fueled by a couple of threes, which were fueled by two offensive rebounds. And so there we go again. And that separation, that eight-point separation, was more than Baylor could overcome down the stretch. And those guards got after them, right? That Dalen Hall, I mean, these are not big, huge, you don't think of these things, guys, as like, oh, this is just great athletes or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And they wor- they outworked the Baylor guards. That was disappointing. I also felt like back in your day, Pat, if Trevin Nell, someone like Trevin Nell, who's a great three-point shooter, if he goes mm-hmm. wandering around the baseline trying to shoot a reverse I either think he would have been in the stands or his shot would have been in the stands. So, that, <laughs> to me, that was weird. And I didn't understand those broken plays. Like, I, Loner got lost one time on a back cut. I, it was a pretty – you know, I, I, I can understand occasionally something like that happening. But, like, the lack of any help defense. Like, when you see a guy going to the hole, I, I, even if you have to come off your man, like I, I, I saw I saw about three or four of those, Pat, and that that's I think frustrating to fans and has to be frustrating to the coaches when it, it's hard enough because these guys will hit great shots and hit threes, but when you give them freebies, to me that that really is demoralizing. It is, and you know, championship teams get key stops when they have to have them. They just do. That the national championship did that repeatedly. That was almost their brand. And so there was, again, a point in the game late. We, we never could get it closer than five. And there was a series. We got it to five. We still have enough time to play to win. And in three possessions for BYU, they shot three layups. And those were the backdoor cuts you're talking about. In the fourth possession, they shot two free throws. And, and then all Baylor could do at best was trade baskets. And so you, you, know, you just have to, you have to get those stops. And I think part of that was – Baylor was looking to pressure on the perimeter and, and they were trapping on the perimeter. And when you do that and you're trying to get guys covered up, guys handling the ball so covered up that they can't see, they weren't able to do that. And when you're applying that kind of pressure, you're vulnerable along the baseline. And, and with that pressure, you're vulnerable to backdoor cuts. And it happened three times in a row. And on the fourth one, uh, we're late defensively and have to foul and there are two free throws. So there, there were a lot of breakdowns defensively at the end. Mm-hmm. And, and that was another disappointment because coming into that game, Baylor's last five games, it had held its opponent to 70 or less. In fact, below 70 held Oklahoma to 62 and Kansas on the road to 64. So I, I thought they'd kind of turned the corner defensively. And, and I'm hoping, and I think everybody is that last night was an aberration. You go to a place like that, and, you know, they were a little bit um, wide-eyed, I think. And, you know, when that team gets rolling at home, mm-hmm. the way they shoot, and, and when you make a three, get a three in transition, get a dunk, a block, whatever, that crowd goes berserk. And we saw that repeatedly. So they had the same home court advantage that hopefully Baylor's going to have on Saturday against Houston. Yeah, and looking ahead to that Houston game, Pat, obviously massive matchup on Saturday at the Foster Pavilion. Baylor hasn't played them yet, but they have played Iowa State, which is, in my mind, kind of a diet Houston. They, they're they not quite yeah. as good. They're pretty darn good, uh, but they do yeah. a lot of the same things well. 
And you'll remember, obviously, it was a 15-point lead basically at halftime. They bank into three to make it 12. Baylor was playing their best game of the year in that Iowa State game before it all went haywire with the ejections. So what, mm-hmm. what were the things that Baylor did well in that game against Iowa State that you think they could carry over to this weekend's game against Houston? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, number one, they're playing at home. I mean, that, that just, I don't know how many points that, that accounts for, but it's a lot because, you know, every team in this league is going to make a run at you. And when you get that run, you've got the support of a crowd, a pretty savvy crowd, actually, uh, to get you through it. So I, I think that was the biggest difference of the game. And then they're, they're just, they're just a comfort level to playing at home. And I, I know what you're asking is a little more of the strategy around it. Yeah. I think it's just, it's, it's running your stuff. And, and the key for Baylor, uh, even when they're shooting the ball well, they're shooting the ball because the ball started in the lane. You know, you've got the ball into the lane, and threes are coming from the inside out, not the outside in. So same thing. You're going to have to uh, get the ball in the lane and be aggressive. Um, defensively, you, you just you, you have – over the course of the game, we talked about it last night, the game plan that, that Baylor typically starts with, it's not just Baylor – at this level of college basketball, the game plan you start with is not necessarily the game plan you finish with. We asked Coach Drew that question one time before, and he said it's never, ever the same game plan at the end than it was when you started. And so you just kind of read and react. But I, I think to summarize it, it's really just playing at home, playing with a little more comfort, and, and running your stuff. I mean, it's not a coincidence that the two best defensive teams in the league played for first place on Monday night. That's not a coincidence. And we're going to get another dose of that on Saturday. I hope I answered your question, but uh, that's my thought. Yeah. I'm sorry this had to happen, by the way, Pat. I'm sorry this had to happen last night on the big anniversary, of course, of you and Vinny's (laughs) 62-point performance. I really wish the Bears could have pulled out a win on such a day. What a day, right? We call it BJ Day. We're going to have T-shirts printed. And, you know, I, I said last night, and Aaron was there with us, I, I said on the on the broadcast, I said, the one number that stands out to me in all of that is that it was 45 years ago. I just almost can't handle that. Yeah, you still have that youthful SAE look about you. Um, so I, I wouldn't worry. Still have really good hair. I wouldn't. That's just a number. <laughs> But uh, who? Hey, by the way, what guys' numbers are retired? At Brittany Griner's retirement—it got me jersey retirement. Got me to thinking, and even a Baylor coaching staff member reached out and said, "Hey, who would you retire first? And I, I just—I always think, well, surely Terry and Vinny's numbers have been retired. I mean, obviously, yeah. we'd have trouble getting Vinny to come back for anything. Uh, he seems to be. Seems to be doing really well, but just does not really maybe travel back very often. But are there, I just, I was just thinking, are there, are are any of those numbers retired on the men's side? I mean, obviously those two you would think of first. Yeah, Matt, not that I'm aware of. And honestly, I I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm on the sidelines, you know, hearing all of this. Uh, when yeah. I'm with the guys that are in the athletic department, I don't know really. I, I don't. I don't think we retire jerseys. There's no. There are no jerseys hanging from the rafters. Uh, I, I just don't know. But okay, you know that's going to be a well, long list. I mean, if we, we obviously retire. It's a long list. Yeah, 
we retire women's jerseys. Um, so I think, uh, but I, I think before you do all the, the national championship guys, kind of like the triplets for the Cowboys, you know, like, hey, wait, yeah. you got to go back and finish up the older guys. And, and I just don't. And, of course, boy, if you start doing that, you go back to even the 1940s with some of those players and uh, Jackie, Jackie Robinson. Robinson. Yeah. yeah. 1948. Yeah. I mean, you would you're right. You would have a lot. But, you know, Vinny and Terry, I mean, I don't know. To me, it all kind of starts there Tommy in a Bowman. lot of ways. Um, yeah. What did you say, Cam? Um, Tommy Bowman. Well, yeah, blazer and a heck of a player. Very important yeah. player. So, anyway, um, yeah, it just got me to thinking about some of that. Uh, now, Pat, did you ever, uh, when you were an SAE at Baylor, did you participate in seeing? You know, seeing is going on right now, and uh, – I would imagine both as a, a student and as a, a, a parent, you have uh, sat through a number of those performances over the years. Uh, were you ever in an SAE seeing act? I was. And I, you know, that's a true confession I could make all these years later. I actually was. And what, what again, is interesting, and it's a really a sign of the times, you can't do that anymore. Like, I mean, if you're playing basketball at Baylor, you're not insane. You, you know, it's going to be hard to even, I think, be in a fraternity. It's just the way it is. This is big-time basketball. But when I got on campus, my my dear friend, Jim Haller, who was my coach, told us, we want you involved on campus. We want you to be a part of the university and, and the culture and take advantage of all the great things that Baylor has to offer. And so, um, you know, I had a couple of teammates or SAEs. I went, sounds good to me. And joined, and, and it was a wonderful experience. And some of my very best, dearest friends today are guys that I was in a fraternity with all those many years ago. So, yeah, I was. I was. It yeah. was a forgettable experience. I mean, Who, in terms of my my contributions to our sing act. <laughs> yeah, well, understandable if you couldn't show up to some of the practices and all. But uh, do you remember the theme? At whatever sing act you were a part of, can you remember like what the theme might have been, or what the what maybe the the best song in the act was? Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. <laughs> remember it vividly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and I remember we did not. I mean, so this this is a rough memory, Matt. So I remember we did not include the song "When I'm 64." by the Beatles. And we got dinged for that. Oh. <laughs> but I'm over it now. I'm over it now. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you guys knew, knew the way to both Matt and I's heart with that one. We, we go. recount the Beatles quite a bit. In fact, we have to uh -huh. stay off the Beatles topic or we'll be talking about it all day. Yeah, that's right. Well, one last thing on that. So yeah. I remember watching the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show in 1964, Ooh. I believe. Yep. On a black and white TV. We just I had the big anniversary. Mm-hmm. That's right. I was yeah. there to see it. Wow. From my living room in Oklahoma City. Yeah. And I, I, I bet your parents were like, who are those? Who are these? Turn this what, are they, <laughs> what are they doing? Who, what are these guys up to? Oh, uh, yeah. wow. Yeah. That is, if you uh, can have a life-changing event at age six, that was it for me. Did it, did, it, <laughs> did it feel like that at the time, Pat? Did it feel like that? Well, it did. I have older brothers and sister and a sister, and it did for them. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. I didn't really know what I was seeing at the time. I remember I liked it a lot. And now looking back, yeah, oh, nothing like the Beatles. No, that's great. What Have you seen the documentary they did recently? I think it's on Apple TV. I don't know if, uh, if you haven't, Pat, check it out. It's like the, they found the old footage um, mm-hmm. of their last, getting ready for their last concert. And so it's pretty, pretty amazing stuff. Be if great just, for the next four-hour plane ride. That's right. <laughs> That's what I need to do because yeah. I put it off until we got out of basketball season and I never got around to it. So I'm going to see it. I've heard it's just terrific. Yeah, it's unbelievable. They, they, did y'all ever do back in the day any Saturday, Monday? I mean, I don't guess they had Big Monday, didn't they? Like, so I mean, wasn't it pretty like every you played every Saturday and you played every what Wednesday basically, and you pretty much held to that throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and most of the games we traveled to by bus. We go to Fort Worth, we go to Dallas, SMU, go to College Station, go to Houston, uh, in Austin. We'd occasionally hop a plane to Lubbock. We'd always fly to Arkansas to play the Razorbacks, but it, it was the travel was not an issue. Hop on a bus and go, and mm-hmm. and most of those games are up and back. So it, it, we we didn't have the travel. Um, complications that they have now and you know it's going to get even more difficult and interesting next year we start bringing other teams in uh, but we'll have we'll have trips like this going forward you'll have west yeah. virginia provo um you know we're going to do what we did in the last five days two or three times next year well pat we appreciate you uh you sounded great i mean bright-eyed and bushy-tailed after traveling throughout the night being up there with all those loud Mormons. And uh, I, 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 had that, I said that yesterday. I think a sober crowd can be the best crowd. Like, for some reason, to me, they're more focused. They haven't <laughs> loaded up on anything. And they're there truly for the basketball. I mean, even the Baylor crowd might have a, a nip of something before games. These mm-hmm. folks that showed up the other night, there's nothing in their system. And so it's all basketball all the time. These are just weird Mosley theories, but I, I like I like a good sober basketball crowd. And uh, I well, think we I mostly can tell you they were those. sober. Yeah, yeah they, <laughs> they were sober. And and I'll tell you too, those are the nicest people. Now they want to mm. run you out of the gym, and and they there's no question about who they're pulling for. But I mean, for example, we sit down and put our stuff together and set it all up. And then we amble back into the media room to go get some water and stuff for the broadcast. Well, there were a couple of people who were there saying, can we get you anything? Can we get you? Well, we'll get it. Don't worry about it. No, no. Tell me what you want. I'll go get it. And it was that times a hundred. Those are the nicest, most hospitable people um, in the league for sure. Uh, But again, they're a great home crowd and they give their, their team at home at least 10 points a night. And did you, by the way, have you tried one of those cougar tails? Were you tempted to, to give it a go? Well, actually, uh, I, I didn't even know what a cougar tail was. And then somebody mentioned it to me, and I thought, i got to get one. Uh, so I did not get one on this trip, but I, I now know what a cougar tail is. And next time I go up there, I'm going to get one. I'm going out of my way to get a cougar tail, <laughs> whatever that is. <laughs> Pat, Pat has added that to his list. <laughs> Identifying it's the first step. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. That's right. I've gone all these years without knowing what a cougar tail is. Now I know. I mean, you can never <laughs> stop learning, right? You really, you really can't. And uh, we learn every time you come on. 
and uh, appreciate it a lot, Pat. Thank you, and and uh, hope you have fun Saturday. It's a early morning game. It should bring back a lot of memories because those five slamma jamma. Uh, those of us of a certain age, we can't see Houston without thinking back. And you, you saw it a little up too close. You saw it uh, a lot closer than most. But uh, thank you for doing this, and uh, we look forward to talking to you soon. My pleasure, guys. Thanks. Have a great day. You bet. There he goes, Pat Nunley, Hall of Famer.